The topic for today's session is the confession of hope. Can we turn to Hebrews chapter 10? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, we'll not proceed any further. We'll just stop there for some time. Therefore, brethren, having boldness, have you heard that? It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness, do we have boldness and boldness for what having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus before we proceed any further it says therefore so let's go and check further up why is he saying therefore look at verse 11 in verse 11 it says every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sins the priest in the Old Testament, the priest in the temple of Jerusalem did something. What did they do? They would offer sacrifice. They would minister daily in the temple. But he says here, those sacrifices could never take away sin. Listen to what Jesus does, verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. When somebody is in a kitchen and they are cooking, when do they sit down? When it's done. And see what Jesus says. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, what did he do? He sat down. Do you know what that means? It's over. It's over. It's finished. It's taken care of. Sins have been forgiven. All done. Once and for all. It's over. He offered the sacrifice of himself and he sat down. I don't know why the priests are standing in the Catholic churches though. Jesus sat down 2,000 years back. This man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Sat down at the right hand of God. From that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Verse 14. For by one offering he has perfected those who are being sanctified. For by one offering, he has perfected those who are being sanctified. Who are being sanctified? Who is a person who is sanctified? A saint. So who are being sanctified? You and I are being sanctified. What does he say? He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. How has he perfected us? Is it a lifelong procedure? Is it something that we have to keep following? But he, has he said by one sacrifice he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. What does that mean? 
charge sheet is cancelled, you are perfect in the eyes of God. Do you know what that means? By one sacrifice, God looks at you as perfect because your charge sheet is cancelled. But you're still being sanctified by his blood. You're still being made clean. You're still being made holy. But you are perfected forever. It's it. It's taken care of. It's done. It's done. Once and for all, it's done. Isn't that awesome? We've not got to the awesome part as yet. Verse 15. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us. For after he has said this before. Verse 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts and their minds. I will write them. Verse 17. Then he adds their sins, their lawless deeds. I will remember no more. Can we say that together? Their sins, their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Where's the scope for guilt? It's all done. It's all done. So, how and when are our sins and lawless deeds forgotten by God? Why does he say that our sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more? Remember no moments what? Forget. Correct? It's very simple. So, when will he forget our sins and lawless deeds? When we enter into this new covenant that he's made by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Right? Fine? We turn to Jesus Christ. We turn to the cross. We put our faith in the cross. We put our faith in Jesus Christ and what he's done on the cross. That's it. Our sins he will remember no more. Unless of course you're Catholic because after he remembers his sins, your sins no more, then he tries and remembers and recollects them again and puts you in purgatory for some time. <laughs> Unless you're Catholic. Because if you're Catholic, you turn to Jesus for forgiveness and then Jesus forgives your sins and then at the end of your death, he tries and recollects your sins again. He's forgiven. He's supposed to forget it. It's all done with. But he tries and recollects it again and puts you in some purifying fire so that you pay for it. But that's not scriptural and that's not biblical. It says their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. You don't see this being read out in Catholic churches. Did we hear it? Never. Our sins and lawless deeds, he will remember no more. Our sins and lawless deeds will be remembered no more. No more. Verse 18. Now where there is remission of sin, where there is remission of these there is no longer an offering for sin. Where there is remission of these, of the sins, there is no longer an offering for sin. It's done. He sat down. It's all over. You can't fast so that he might forgive your sins. It's done already. It's too great a fast for you to do. It requires you fasting and being killed and crucified on the cross. It's done. Already done. What are you trying to do? I'm not against fasting though. As the Lord directs for the purposes of the Lord to humble yourself. But you can't do anything. You can't think that you can come here for the, prayer, for, for, for the Sunday worship service and then expect uh, God to you know, forgive your sins because you're taking the sacrifice and making the sacrifice and sacrificing your time to come here. Wait a minute. It's already done. 
He's not forgiving your sins because you're coming here. It's done. He sat down already on the throne. <laughs> I don't know how he's popping up everywhere like a small baby, but that's not him for sure. Because he sat down already at the right hand of God. Isn't that liberating? We have a God who's taken care of it all. He's taken care of it all. You go to any other religion, any, any other gods, they don't have gods who've taken care of it all. We have a God who's taken care of it all. You don't have to do anything for it. No day is more auspicious than the other. No day is more special than the other. No time is more special than the other. There is nothing of that sort. For a Christian, a mahurat is a whole life. Every lay is special. Every minute is special. Because every day and every minute we are with the Lord. There is no auspicious moment or auspicious time. Because the Lord is with us. And if we are with the Lord, we will do what the Lord tells us according to his time. There's nothing that you can do to try and make sure that your sins are more forgiven. You can't do anything more. It's taken care of. What's the one thing Satan's going to do to try and destroy this truth? What's the one thing he's going to do? He will try and tell you it's not already done. He will try and tell you that you have to do something also. You have to do something also. You have to offer some sacrifices. You have to make some offerings. You have to do some penitence so that your sins may be forgiven completely. You have to do something. That's what Satan's going to try and tell you to do. You have to keep the Friday meat off. You have to keep a 40 days of Lent. You have to fast on a good Friday. You have to kneel walk somewhere. You have to kiss the relics somewhere. You'll get a plenary indulgence if you go through a certain door. If you go on 1st November and, and, and light, some candle, uh, light some candles and uh, uh, put some flowers on some graves, uh, for what? To pay last respects to the dead who have already gone all over, finished. What can you do about it? Nothing. One extra flower is not going to make them one less day in purgatory because purgatory does not exist, you see. Half the times people are putting candles and flowers to people who are burning in hell. Have you realized that? It's already done. You can't do anything about it. And then half the times people are offering, offering masses so that they think they can do something. Everything is taken care of. There no longer remains an offering for sin. There no longer remains an offering for sin. Every priest in the temple of Jerusalem would stand up daily, offer sacrifices, offer sin offering, offer sacrifices, offer sacrifices. But they never took away the sins. Only one sacrifice took away the sins. And that is the sacrifice of the Lamb. That's why John the Baptist looked at Jesus. He saw he was his cousin, but suddenly inspired by the Holy Spirit, he knew who he was. And he said, there goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. There goes the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he said. Taken away the sins of the world. It's taken away, it's already done. I don't know about you, but that's the most liberating verse in the Bible for me. Now where there is remission of sins, there is no longer remaining an offering for sin. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more.
I will remember no more. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. When does that happen? If you come under the new covenant, it's very clear. This is the covenant that I will make with them after these days. This is the covenant. It is a covenant. You have to belong to the covenant. How do you belong to the new covenant? You have to put your faith in Jesus Christ. How do you put your faith in Jesus Christ? You make a firm decision to accept what he has done for you. Depend on him. Believe in him. Trust in him. Be baptized in his name. You belong to the new covenant. You belong to the new covenant. Then it's all done. Then it's all done. And so in verse 19, the author to the Hebrews, to the, the author of the letter to the Hebrews says, Therefore, brethren, because everything is all done, because it's all done, and Jesus has sat down at the right hand of God, because it's all done and there is no more remaining an offering for sin. Because it's all done and there is no there is remission of sin is already done. Because it's all done. Because it's all done. Verse 19. Therefore brethren. Having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. I don't think you're paying attention. You know what he's saying? He's saying that your charge sheet has been cancelled. Your sins have been forgotten. Are you brooding about your sins of the past? If you've repented and asked God for forgiveness, it's done. He remembers them no more. Why are you remembering them? Why are you remembering them? It's done. And so because of that, we have boldness to enter the holiest of holies in the temple of Jerusalem I wish I had a boat here but in the temple of Jerusalem there was an outer courtyard there was an entrance to the outer courtyard say this is the outer courtyard there was an entrance to the outer courtyard there was a certain section outside the courtyard called the section for the women only men so as it is things are being filtered at the entrance of the courtyard as it is, there were things being filtered. Only men could enter inside that main courtyard area. Fine. Then there was an altar of sacrifice, a bronze wash pond that was there. And then the entrance to something called the holy place. The holy place. When they entered the holy place, nobody else could enter. Besides the priests. Nobody else could enter besides the priest. You had to be a priest to enter the holiest place. But beyond the holiest place there was a veil. A big long curtain. It's not like any curtain you've seen. It's too huge to even imagine. All inlaid with gold thread. This huge curtain was there. Beyond this huge curtain. Only the high priest went. And that too he had to be sprinkled with the blood. He had to be sprinkled with the blood. And so the high priest went inside into that holiest place. Once a year. Because in that holiest place, in that holy of holies, was the Ark of the Covenant. And in there was the presence of God himself. In there was the presence of God himself only the high priest could enter there. 
So did the people standing outside really have access to God? They needed to depend on whom? The high priest. Or the priest who would enter the holiest place. But when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn apart to symbolize what? There is access. There is now access to us. There is no separate female section and separate males who can enter inside. We are all one by the blood of Jesus. That's what Paul says, right? You know why? Because whether you're a woman or a man, you both have access to God. He says, whether Jew or Greek, male or female, we are all made one by Jesus Christ. Whether you're a Jew or a Greek, whether you're Gentile or not, whether you are male or female, rich or poor, there is no, nothing that you need to fear. We have boldness. Do you have that boldness to enter into the holiest place? There's only one way in which you can enter that holiest place. By the blood of Jesus. You can't enter that holiest place by virtue of your religiosity. You can't enter that holiest place by virtue of your goodness. You can't enter that holiest place by all the good works that you've done. You can't enter that holiest place by showing all your qualifications. Of all the good things that you've done and all the homeless that you've fed, you can enter that place only by one thing, by the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone. Amen? Only by the blood of Jesus. Only by the blood of Jesus can you enter that holiest place. Only by the blood of Jesus do you have access to the presence of God. This time, it's not a symbolic presence of God. This time, it's not just a man-made area which symbolizes and God would, you know, kind of be there. But he's not there with all his glory. This time, it's the real deal. That was just a sketch. <laughs> this time, it's the real deal. This time, you have access to the very holiest place where God exists. God resides. God is present there. The glorious place, the holiest place where no one else can go, you can go because of the blood. Amen? So people can talk their head off with, with philosophy and spirituality and theology. But unless they have believed and accepted the gospel, unless they are bathed with the blood of Christ, they can't enter in. Do you understand what that means? You've got more access to God than the Pope. That's basically what it means. That's basically what it means. Think about it. Think about it. All across rural India, there are so many of these priests and swamis and sadhus who beat themselves up. Muslim fakirs who beat themselves up, who do a lot of nonsense thinking they are getting to be holy and closer to the presence of God but you know what unless you've got the blood of the lamb you can't enter into the very holiest of holies you can't some of the some of the catholic priests and some of the uh, you know so called holy monks of the of the catholic church in the past would uh, even now sometimes would put like a a belt of 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 spikes to purposely cause themselves pain they would whip themselves up in the room 
to purposely cause themselves pain thinking that because of that they would be purified and have more access to god <laughs> you can't have access to god you can't be close to god until you've done it through the blood of christ all that is false humility you can't do it unless you've done it through the blood of christ there's no other way no other way it's all done taken care of by the blood of christ there's no other way no other way people in the catholic church say when somebody is suffering from some sickness instead of praying for the healing quite often they'll say because of your suffering you're close to god pray for us you can't enter the holiest place in the presence of god because of your sickness or by virtue of your sickness you can only do it by the blood of the lamb you can't say oh i'm suffering so much so i'm close to god oh, bo -bo 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 -bo. you have to do it through the blood of the lamb only by the blood of jesus christ only what do i mean by by the blood of jesus we have access to god i mean that by believing what jesus has done on the cross by believing what what happened when the blood of jesus was shed by believing and accepting that now my sins have been canceled i now can have access to god i now can live a life dependent on god by believing that the guilt is no more by believing and remembering that my sins and lawless deeds god does not want to remember he has forgotten them willingly willingly i have access to god because of that isn't that awesome isn't that amazing people have struggled for years and years and millennia and millennia to find access to god people thought that when a meteorite stone fell it was a blackish stone and they said oh maybe this will take us close to god many people were searching for the fount of of uh, everlasting youth thinking that maybe that will take them close to god many people look to a certain river and thinking that will take them close to god but that does not only the blood of jesus verse 20 by a new and i want you to understand the word new the word new in greek has two meanings have you ever gone to a chicken shop to buy chicken yeah live chicken not broilers yeah okay they'll take a live chicken and cut it up right and there's blood sprinkled all over freshly killed that's what it means that's the first one the second one really new so the second meaning is new really new new okay so by a new not only just new new originally new but a, a freshly killed path a path a way which has been used for a fresh slaughter a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil what's the veil the curtain remember the curtain that was there through the veil that is his flesh when that veil tore it was just symbolic of what happened to the flesh of christ when the veil tore it was a symbolic to what happened for the flesh of christ 
that that is exactly what happened when the flesh of christ was stone literally bruised literally on that cross it's as good as that curtain that block that was there for man to access god that block was torn apart and we have access to god it's a new way a new path through which we access god it is a path you have to walk on it it is not just a portal it is a path through which you have to walk on it it's a new and living way it's very interesting is used that word new which means freshly slaughtered and then living way <laughs> jesus was freshly slaughtered for you his blood was splattered for you it's because of that that there is a way a living way you don't have to be slaughtered for that way you don't have to be killed for that way it's a new way a new path it's not meditation it's not spirituality it's not something else it's not naturalism it's not it's not sitting and chanting for hours together it's a new way a direct access to god it's consecrated what does it mean it's set apart specially for you nobody can go by it nobody can walk on it it's a highway a holy highway consecrated set apart for you how has it been set apart by the blood of jesus verse 21 having a high priest over the house of god we all are priests that makes what jesus the high priest right by a new and living way which he consecrated set apart for us through the veil that is his flesh when his flesh was torn we got access and having a high priest over the house of god we have a high priest over the house of god now let's put all these together therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of jesus you've got to have that boldness that boldness got to be there that boldness will be there when you understand what happened on the cross when you understand that your sins have been cancelled when you understand that the charge sheet has been cancelled when you understand these words they're like music to my ears because i know the filth that i was in the music to my ears there are sins and lawless deeds i will remember no more that's a relief that's a relief therefore brethren having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of jesus by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh by a new and living way a new and living way a new and living way and having a high priest over the house of god we have a high priest we have a high priest over the house of god we have a high priest over us jesus christ himself let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith this verse can change the life of anybody let us draw near with a true heart you've got to have a sincere heart if you are not sincere in your heart there's no point you cannot have access you've got to be sincere with a true heart let's draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith in full 
assurance of faith that the faith that you have you have an assurance of that faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water many people say you know follow your conscience what is your conscience telling you do what your conscience is telling you do you know you can have an evil conscience in somewhere else in the word of god it says that that a conscience has been seared that means it's been burnt up faulty do you know you and i can have a faulty conscience our conscience is that part in us that some ability that's there in us that understands what's right and what's wrong what's good and bad but do you know you can have a faulty conscience a conscience that's all faulty that's all messed up an evil faulty messed up conscience there's only one way in which that conscience can be set right by the blood you put your faith in jesus your conscience is set right when you're seeking the lord when you're seeking the lord if you seek the lord with a faulty conscience you're going to hear the wrong thing you're going to hear the wrong thing you're going to be led to do the wrong thing if you've got a faulty conscience but if you've put your faith truly in christ and in his blood it's a conscience that has been set right it's been sprinkled clean by the blood of the lamb sprinkled clean by the blood of the lamb and our bodies washed with pure water this is what i love the most he does not say your souls washed with pure water he says your bodies washed with pure water what is the pure water what is the pure water sorry the word is the pure water do you remember he says in one place washed with the pure water of the word the pure water is the word is always a symbolic of the word of god you know what he's saying here your bodies are washed with the word of god you want to set your bodies right focus on the word of god he sent his word and healed my disease do you remember that verse i am the lord that healed thee he sent his word and healed my disease it's the word that heals and sets your body right so let's put this in perspective now we have boldness because there has been a sacrifice offered by jesus once and for all he now has done it it's finished he now sits at the right hand of god fine my sins and lawless deeds he will remember no more so now i can come with boldness to the holiest place where the presence of god himself is there right now you can be there you can be there right now in the holiest place when you are all, when, when you all you have to do is just call out to the lord there you are you can be right now in the holiest place by the blood of jesus so he not only forgets our sin he gives us access so that with boldness we can go into that presence of god himself through a new way a new path which does not require effort from our end but just faith and dependence and he says let us draw near with a true heart a sincere heart with full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience 
By the blood of Jesus, our evil conscience is gone. By the water of his word, our bodies are being renewed and restored. So we are going with a conscience set right and a body restored in the presence of God with full assurance of faith. What is the meaning of full assurance of faith? Jo mangenga, wo aapko milega. That's assurance of faith. What you ask, you will receive. What you ask, you will receive. Um, <clears throat> when you've got any government work to be done, okay, any applications to be filed, anything, I'm sure most of us have got one person that we'll just call up and say, Arey Baba, this is there, what should I, what should I do? Ta -ta 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 Everything is told to us and we go in the office and say, okay, this person is there, I know him, just give it to him, he'll, be, he'll do it. We usually have this one man, one guy, one woman, whoever, we can just call up and just go through, right? Or maybe it's for something else. Maybe it's for, maybe it's for uh, something to do with cooking that, uh, that, that, that we need some help and we know we just ask somebody, oh, ta -ta 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 -ta, we know this person will tell you. Oh, maybe it's some kitchen, kitchen thing that we need or maybe it's something to do with life or maybe it's something to do with investments or money or finances and we've got this person that we'll just call up and what should I do? And I'm like, okay, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. We ask with assurance that we will get something in return as an answer. Jesus is saying, full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. You know what that means? What you ask, you will get. What you ask, you will get. What you ask, you will get. That's the full assurance of faith. Verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession. You know what's ho confession? Homologia. What really means is say the same as. Homologia. Same word. The same word as. Say the same as. Say the same word as. Confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful let us hold fast to the confession of our hope what's our hope what's our hope what's our hope what's your hope what's your hope this greek word hope is also a bit different this word hope actually means um can you close your pen, please? Okay. Yeah? Watch. Watch carefully, okay? From the time I leave this pen, understand what my expression is. I know it's going to fall. I know it's going to fall. Yes, it fell. You see that time? That's the hope. Okay? It's a different hope. It's not, it's not like, oh, I hope it does. I hope it happens. I hope it happens. And then in the end, it may happen or may not happen. But I hope it happens. But this is an assured hope. Oh, it's going to fall, it's going to fall, it's going to Yes, it fell. It's an assured hope. I know, there's, not, there's no doubt in my mind that it's going to fall, right? There's no doubt in my mind that it's going to hit the ground. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. Confession of our hope. There is something that we are waiting for. Something that we are waiting with expectant hearts for. The coming of the Lord. There's something that we're waiting with expectant hearts for. 
to reign with Christ. There's something that we are waiting with expectant hearts for, to be in the presence of God himself. We want to see God. We want to be in his presence, right where he is, see him face to face. There's something that we are waiting for with expectant hearts. That's the hope. It's going to happen, but that waiting period is the time of hope. And so, he says, the confession of our hope. We must make the confession of our hope. If there's no confession of our hope, there's no point. If you look a bit, ahead, if you look a bit back in, 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 um, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of heavenly calling, consider the apostle, that's Jesus Christ, and high priest of our confession. Jesus is the high priest of your confession. You don't have a confession, he's not your high priest. He's the high priest of your confession. It's important that you confess with your mouth what has happened, what he's done, and what you're hoping for. He's the high priest of your confession. You've got to make the right confession. If you're going to make the confession of guilt, if you're going to make the confession of hopelessness, if you're going to make confessions like I can't do it, if you're going to make confessions like I'm totally destroyed, if you're going to make confessions like I'm totally gone, you're not making a confession of hope. <laughs> you're making a confession of despair. What's the opposite of hope? Despair. And Jesus Christ is not the high priest of despair. There's another one. Soitan Muntatika. He's Satan. Only he is the high priest of despair. Jesus Christ we have as the high priest of hope. Confessions of despair are not going to get us anywhere. We have to make the confession of our hope. And he says hold fast. You know what hold fast means? It means like really hold fast. Seize it. Don't let go of it. Don't let go. Don't let go. Don't let go. You may be pushed around but don't let go. Don't let go. Hold fast. To... The confession of hope. Hold fast to the confession of hope. Hold fast to it. Hold on to it. Don't let go. Confession of our hope. Don't give it up. Make the right confession, brothers and sisters. But on what basis can we make the right confession? How can we say Jesus is our savior? How can we say, oh, Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my deliverer. I will receive this because Jesus has promised it. I will, I will, this will happen. He said, ask him, you shall receive. So I ask him, how can we make such confessions? How can we make, on what basis can we make such confessions? Quite often we are confessing about things to come. But how can we make such confessions? You know why? Look at the rest of that verse. For he who is promised is faithful. He who has promised is faithful. We've got to hold fast to the confession of our hope. What's our hope? Eternal life. Our hope is reigning with Christ. Our hope is being kings and queens with Christ. Our hope is that Christ is coming soon. Our hope is that we are going to be in the presence of the Lord. Our hope is the resurrection. That's our hope. We know it's happening. It's like the pen falling. We know it's surely happening. Nothing's going to come as a block there. It's happening. But we're waiting, 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 waiting with bated breath. We're going to, waiting to see. It's like a ball going to the basket. We know it's going in. We're just waiting, waiting, waiting. Those, those few seconds, those few microseconds, we're waiting to see the ball go through the basket. We're waiting with bated breath. And as we are doing that, we confess. We confess. Why? 
Because he who's promised, he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. Can we say that again? He who promised is faithful. What has he promised you? Eternal life, resurrection, reigning with him as kings and queens. He has promised this to you. He has promised that he's going to look after you. He's promised you that he will not leave you often. He has promised you. He's faithful. So hold fast to the confession of your hope. Are you stressed out, my dear brothers and sisters? Are you worried? Are you anxious? Maybe you've not made a confession of hope. Maybe you've not made a confession of hope. Maybe you've not. You know, today morning we looked at the height, the depth, the width, the breadth of the love of God. And there's one verse that struck me that I want to share with you. It's Revelations 3.21. Let's go to verse 20 actually. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Listen to verse 21 and listen to it very carefully. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on his own throne. Does he say that? On my throne. You know what that means? If you've seen a small child, imagine David, David sitting on a big throne. Solomon is a small toddler running around the place in his own courtroom. He's running around the place. And, then so and David is sitting on his throne. And Solomon comes running and makes him funny laugh towards, towards, towards David. What David's reaction would have been is just pick up Solomon and make him sit on his lap on his throne. Do you understand what it means? God is going to make us sit on his throne. It does not make us gods. It does not make us God in any way. But we are going to rule with him on his throne. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. That's the immense love of God. Make the right confession. Look at the love of God. Look at the immense love of God. He's not only saved us. He's not only forgiven us our sins. He said. He's not only forgiven us our sins. He said. That he's going to make us sit on his throne. That's why the word of God says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think. This morning I was just telling them. We may ask. For this much. We may ask for a full bottle full. God gives us a whole tank. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than you can ask or think. You think you just want a small solution to your problem. And so you ask, God please give me just this much. And God is here waiting to give you a whole swimming pool. You have this much of a need and you're saying, Lord just give me. And he's saying, I can do exceedingly abundantly more than you can even ask or think. What are you doing? 
Trust me, I will do the best for you. Amen? We tend to ask for, when we have got a financial difficulty, we will tend to ask for a small need to be met. And he is here telling us, listen, my dear brother, listen, my dear sister. I am your Jehovah Jireh. Any need is taken care of already. Amen? You're worried about your sickness and disease and he's saying, I am your healer. That's how immense his love is. That's why we have hope. Don't make confessions of despair. Make the confession of hope. Make the right confession. You'll have the right high priest. If you have the right high priest, it's done for you. Everything's taken care of for you. Amen? Can we close our eyes? Father, we thank and praise you, Lord, that through Jesus we have access to you, Lord. That through the death of Jesus, through his blood, we have access to you, Lord. We thank and praise you, Lord. That we don't have to stand behind a veil anymore. That we have access through your blood. Thank you, Lord. We want to make the right confession, Lord. A confession that we have hope, Lord. A confession that we have hope, that we have an assurance of our faith, Lord. That when we ask, we will receive, Lord. That you are our Father, Lord. That we are not alone, Lord. We want to make a confession today, Lord. That you have saved us, Lord. That you have remembered our sins no more, Lord. That we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Lord. We want to make a confession today, Lord. Not a confession of despair, Lord. But a confession of hope, Lord. And the confession is this, Lord. That we are children in you, Lord. We are your children by the blood of the Lamb, Lord. That our evil conscience has been sprinkled clean, Lord. We want to make a confession of hope, Lord. That we have hope in this life, Lord. That we have hope even later, Lord. We have hope, Lord. In Jesus' name. We pray. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory to the Lamb of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Glory, glory, glory to you, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Master. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We make a confession of hope today. Are you ready to make a confession of hope? Are you ready to make a confession of hope?